Doom, gloom, despair, agony. We've turned everything over to the hands of millennials, Generation Z, and it's all falling apart. Stand by. We're going to see if we can fix this. Christ lives in the heart of a champion. Well, that's my opening remarks to introduce. <laughs> Nothing like starting off uh, Bridging the Generational Gap Part 2 podcast by isolating a good portion of our listening audience. Yeah. Um, well, look, here's, like here's what we're doing. What <laughs> we're least. doing is we are introducing the topic today with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek overboard dramatics. But that yeah. only works if your tongue is actually in your cheek. Well, mine is. I haven't. It's still there. Oh, Isn't well, that good. every episode? Yes. <laughs> Just asking for a friend there. So anyway, anyway, so the thing I want to do today is uh, is really start off by testing you guys out and proving that the generations can work together by testing your knowledge of generational things, okay? So I thought it's been a while since we've had a little trivia competition, so it's, time, it's time to have another one. I absolutely detest this portion of this program. You know, in the words of... Of a great mentor, Buck Cluck. The chicken man? On Chicken Little. He said, and I quote, you got to be ready to listen to your children even if they have nothing to say. Huh. Here we go. Are you ready? No. We're going to make this up as we go. So uh, we'll just take turns here. We'll start with, uh, let's start with the, the old uh, E.T. over here, because he's yeah. nervous. Let's get the jitters out of him. Yeah, let's okay. do that. All right. Let's throw the guy under the bus when yeah, he's obviously beep, nervous about beep. it. Now, this is more of a, probably a, uh, a silent generation question, okay? Okay. My great-grandmother, or your great-grandmother, or somebody's great-grandmother, born in 1899, said that tea leaves were not only useful for making tea, but also for... Freshening the linens, cleaning carpets, feeding horses, or killing moths. Oh, it's multiple choice. Uh, yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> your your great grandmother born in eighteen ninety nine. I don't think they would have had carpet. I think I know the answer to this one. I'm leaning towards well, and then D was Killing moths. Do you know? No, I'm gonna go with. I'm thinking millennials don't go have with, good. I'm gonna go with freshening the memory. linens. Freshening the linens. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Huh. What was it? Well, I was gonna ask you. Okay. What are the other three? Because my my <coughs> grandmother, she used to use lemon juice for something, and I can't remember now. Well, this has nothing to do with lemon juice. I thought that's what you said. Tea, Tea leaves. <laughs> oh well. Uh, freshening like, linen, cleaning carpets, or feeding horses. I'm what did say you feeding? say? I said freshening the it's linens. It's feeding horses. Really? 
refreshing the carpet? Cleaning the carpets is the uh, correct answer. I didn't even know they had carpet in it. Apparently, 1800s. there's a lot you don't know. Got that I, right. I would lemon juice from. Where I you got freshening the linens? Uh, I bet you heard lemons. Oh, I heard lemons. Here you go. In the 1920s, who's this for? That'd be you. This will be you. Oh, it's old Napoleon. All right. A flapper would have been known as a what? A young woman, a button-down top for a car, a hen, or a kind of windmill bought at fairs. I'm I'm torn between the first two. I'm going to go with the car. E.T. It's a young woman. You are correct. You stole that from me because I said I'm torn between the first I knew that one right Ah, off the bat. Good for you, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Number three. I I found this one to be interesting. I started to skip it just for time, but this one was kind of interesting. So apparently this survey, this question was written by an Englisher because it says my mum was born in 1926. (laughs) Which of the following events didn't happen in her lifetime? The Sydney Harbour Bridge opens, official airmail between Australia and Great Britain, invention of television, the coronation of Elizabeth II. Which didn't happen in the lifetime of my mum, born in 1926? I'm going to go with Sydney Harbour Bridge. Coronation of who? Sydney Harbour Bridge opens, invention of television, coronation of Elizabeth II. What did Air, you say? Airmail between Britain and I said oh, yeah. I said um bridge opening. Oh yeah, sorry about that. Okay. I can't remember what everybody says. I'm gonna say uh the court coronation. <laughs> it is the invention of the television. television. That oh, took place it. earlier than Prior 1926? to nineteen twenty six, I believe. You know, I, I believe went. that the invention of the television actually happened right at the turn of the century. Wow. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Whose turn is this it? This is be Napoleon. All right. I think this is your chance to score a point, because right now you two are doing terrible, but he does have a point, so he's ahead of you. Born in 1921. He had a good singing voice as a young man in his early 20s. What kind of singer might he have been? A mezzo-soprano? A rapper? A, <laughs> a crooner? A rocker? Okay, I don't know what a mezzo-soprano is. Let me say those again. A mezzo-soprano. You don't have to say the rapper. That's right. A rapper. A crooner. A rocker. It's either a crooner or a mezzo-soprano. Whatever that. I don't know what that is. I'm going to go with crooner. Yeah. He gets a point. As Alfalfa used to sing, learn to croon. There you go. See? Do We're back to E.T. Not. over here. We, <laughs> whew, we got to hurry. Okay. Born in the late 1950s, which of the following dresses would a teenage girl have worn? I will say it would have been a teenage girl in the 1950s, but... Give him hints. Keep no. Going. Well, I'm just making oh. the point that in the 50s, this wouldn't have been the guys wearing the dresses. Oh, oh, uh, okay. okay. Anyway, in the late 1950s, which of the following dresses would I have worn as a teenage girl? A mini, a maxi, a midi, or all three? So is this somebody born in the late 50s? It's important, I can explain my logic later, but that's a necessary point of the question. Born in the late 1950s. Okay, then I'm going to say all three. Good job. He's up two to one. All right. This guy knows his old stuff. All Come right. On. Everyone knows a multiple choice when it's all the above. It's always all the above. Well, no, because if it would have been a teenager in the 50s, I don't see them wearing minis. But if it was somebody born in the late 50s, yeah, they would have been hippies. Right. And that was really big in the 60s. 
Okay. My goodness, the power of millennial logic. Here you go, <laughs> Rapola Nolian. <laughs> Who were Corky and White Shadow? A boy and his horse? A girl and her dog? Two horses? Or a girl and a white wolf? A girl and a white wolf. <laughs> oh, Corky? And White Shadow. A boy and his horse. Do I do I think I this one? Well, you never if I don't, you're gonna get the point. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I guess it's the next question then. Is yeah, it? it is. But yeah. it was a girl it's... and her dog. Oh, good, because I was gonna say it was two horses. <laughs> All right, we got two questions left here. What's the score? I'm up two to one. Two to one. It's All my, right, it's so... my question, and then he'll get the last one. Now this would be asked of a 1980s child, so we're talking about a kind of a uh, we're getting the Gen X crowd here. Okay, who or what was Voltron? A vampire. From books by R.L. Stein, a cult movie about an electric eel, a PlayStation game, or a cartoon character and toy. A cartoon character and toy. This is getting easier for you guys. We're moving into your connections Childhood, here. Childhood, yeah. Because now you're down three to one, right. and with only one question left. What was? I've already lost. But this is a chance to walk away with a, a score. All right. What was Potty Pigeon? What kind of question? <laughs> See, you had these questions reserved. I for went in people. order. I bet you did. A stuffed toy, a kind of snooker, a computer game. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what a snooker what is, is. A snooker. A much loved cartoon character. A much loved cartoon character. A potty pigeon. <laughs> go with the snooker. What was the first two? Again? Just go with the snooker. Stuffed toy, snooker, or computer game. Probably a toy. Yeah, a stuffed toy. I'm sorry, snooker. It's a computer game. Huh. Winner take all question. I thought we were out of questions. I we well, I have to... a couple more, but I'd already I, done we're out of time. I had already done the math. We're out of time. Like, so. Yes. All right. Let's, this, this is just your chance to get a little bit of your, your, uh, your pride back. Sure. Your, thanks. Your manhood. Manhood? Your, we don't want you to have to turn in your code card. Because I don't know about a potty pigeon? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who or what is kissing Kate Barlow? Oh, oh. Um, she was an outlaw in the Wild Wild West, right? Wasn't she an outlaw? <laughs> or uh, yeah, I, you not, know what? Don't don't ask him. Don't ask him. Not, Give him a thumbs not up. Not the Wild Wild West. Well, Give him a thumbs it up. It was maybe not the Wild Wild West. Just she for was, answering before I even gave him the options. She was from Holes. You are correct, sir. Well, anyway, it's time I'll for us her. to move right along <laughs> with today's discussion. So last time in part one, we were talking about some of the tensions that are going on between the generations the we felt some of those tensions too we have felt tension so here's here's my here's my question i wonder where where all this generational problem is happening i wonder if oftentimes we're not focusing on the wrong thing in other words as i was driving in today i was thinking about and i guess maybe this is a question for the older generation looking at the younger generation but do you think it's possible that we look out across the broader society and what's going on, and then we turn that inward on the people in our lives? In other words, we project, yes, society is declining in morality and decency, and there's no argument about that. But if I, as a Generation Xer, look out at all that, and then I just assume that millennial, all millennials and Gen Zers are the same way, I mean, I'm probably coming more apart, you know, causing the problem than I am helping the situation, right? It's just an opening thought. Yeah, most definitely. Because, I mean, I think, I think the, 
as aggravating as it is to be part of that younger generation and have that projected on you, I do think there is a reality that it's it's not coming from a bad place, especially when it's from an older loved one or an older person that you respect, that you've got a good relationship with. It's really coming from more of a place of, okay, I see this problem and I am going to fix you so that you don't become part of the problem. But in so doing, a lot of times it's kind of received insulting, like, you know, hey, I, I'm not the one that's doing this. I'm, I'm not like every other member of the world's generation, you know, I, I'm not the one that calls this or this, that, or the other. But it, I do think it comes from a, a good intention place. It's just portrayed very, very, very wrongly. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with that. It, I think it comes from the right place, but at times it can be a little, it can be a little frustrating because especially like for me and you, we probably, we probably have more characteristics from the older generation mm-hmm. just based on the people in our lives that were around. I appreciate that. Thanks. Well, honestly, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's true because, like, for me, for example, I have always gotten along with older people, old Gen Xers, a, a, as yourself. I'm, I'm always, a kind of I'm a young Gen Xer, actually, yeah. but I just meant like an old person yeah. in general. But yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. But I've always been like that. I've always my parents are, especially my dad's a little older. My grandparents were much older. But even my friends growing up. I had friends my age, but we never got along as well. So it's a little disheartening at times just to be thrown in this group, especially two things. Number one, when your group is so large. Our generation's huge. And number two, you can almost classify our generation into two groups. So it can kind of be disheartening when you get thrown into that group of the worst ones, especially the, the younger side of things. But We talked last time about some key things that are, that are tension points. And these, this does not cover everything, I'm sure. But, of course, that question I just threw out there brings in the whole issue of morality and, and where the culture is and, you know, things like uh, you look at movies made in the 50s versus movies made in 2020, right? Yeah. It's, that's a huge difference in the morality that's portrayed. Not that the people making the movies in the 50s were any more decent or moral. Correct. But, but society and culture was at least a little more concerned with what we projected so and we can get caught up in looking at all that and again project it onto one another the wrong ways so that would be one thing values or morality then we talked about planning how we plan and schedule things remember the whole letter mm-hmm. um and and is two weeks is enough for the baby boomer and for more our generations we're looking for if this is an event outside of personal relationships, I need a month or more to get it on my calendar. And part of that's because I think the busyness of the modern uh, generations, we got so much going on, and maybe that, I don't know if that's more Gen X and Millennial. I don't know if the Gen Zers are there because they, they, you know, it shifts. It changes so much. Well, I I think part of that busyness comes the further along you get into having family. So Gen Z may not be there yet. But they're starting, especially the older Gen Zers, are starting to get there, and they'll eventually, be, I think, start having the same train of thought because the bigger thing is if I take time away for this event, I am robbing myself of a night for my family or close friends or colleagues, my people. I can't be with them because I'm at this event. So Gen Z may have a little bit more flexibility now, but it's running out quick. If you unpacked that statement you just made, there are multiple layers to that because on the initial point that you're making, I think it's absolutely true. 
that's bringing into its stage of life. Every generation goes through those stages of life, and there are commonalities there that we often forget. Yeah. The older generation forgets, you know, or chooses not to, or they choose to remember it differently. And then I think there's also just cultural aspects of every generation. We know that society is changing, mm-hmm. so it affects the thinking. It affects the priorities of the different generations. Well, I was just thinking when you said stage of life, for example, as an older millennial, there are not a lot of individuals my age that I can relate to because a lot of them aren't in the stage of life that I'm in. A lot of the millennials my age are still, yeah, one day I might have kids down the road. I Mm. might, they're in their (laughs) mid-30s. Oh, yeah, when I'm in my 40s, maybe I'll settle down and it I've already got a minivan, a, a <laughs> wife, a kid, you know, but I'm in that stage of life that you were just talking about yeah. where it's, okay, I, I, I'm more busy. I need that month to pre- prepare and plan. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Just change in general is a tension point. How to change, when to change, how to make change happen. That's a tension point we've talked about. Um, size of gathering, remember that was one. Yeah. You know, the, the baby boomers were big on big group. They liked the big fellowship. The younger the generation, the tendency, the trend is to have smaller group dynamics. And you take talk about a tension point, especially in community. That that can be big. Yeah. So, you know, and, and another one, we didn't talk a lot about this before, but we can throw it on the table. The tension that comes between tradition and truth it's not that one generation gets the truth and some forget it or don't have it but sometimes if the older generation the older you become the more you latch onto your traditions as sort of a protection measure and you feel threatened by something that doesn't fit that tradition and you can't look and see that well it might not be my tradition but the truth is still there yeah right and i think that's a tension point and I, th- I think to that end, a lot of people that are that are steeped, these older generations that are steeped in a tradition that may be going away, when they started that tradition, I believe they were holding on to truth. And then over the course of time, it just naturally m- melded together as just one thing. And it, and it is harder because now you see the change coming in and you're, you're remembering, well, man, when I, when I held on to this, and this was this was doctrine. This was solid. This was good. And I think that's going to be a, a statement for every generation. Once we get to the age of, you know, where the baby boomers and stuff are now, my generation, I'm sure there'll be the exact same type of things that that we're like hesitant to mm-hmm. to give into or to change, just because. I mean, you're talking about years of investing into something. So I, I think that's that's an important thing, especially for us young guys yeah. to remember. I think sometimes the lines get blurred. I'll use a baby boomer term here. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's one they like to really say. You don't want to do that, but at the same time, you don't want to look at any change like it's compromise. Because I know both of those extremes. Mm -hmm. And and that sometimes the lines get blurred. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, you know, I referenced in the last episode this uh, book by Paul Chappell, Keep the Faith. And I was listening to an interview that he was doing talking about that particular book and he has he you know he made some the points of understanding the difference between doctrine and distinctives 
Okay, and he was outlining this doctrine, and, and I know this kind of fits into the church aspects of what we're talking about, but doctrine, those are biblical truths, biblical principles that we hold to. They're non-negotiable. And then distinctives are kind of more of, you know, as he was saying that as a Baptist church and a Baptist pastor, we have these particular distinctives that are unique to us or that we hold as very dear. And those things are things that we just kind of, we don't change on. We're not. But then he said, but then there are preferences. There are preferences that will encompass things like style. And he even mentioned things like, you know, dress, length of hair. There's all kind of things he said that I, he said, I would categorize those as preferences. Mm-hmm. But we mess up when we make those matters of doctrine. Yes. And yep. we break fellowship with people because they don't see everything the exact same way we do. Right. I think all those tension points we just uh, mentioned and, and, and your responses and what you're saying about them, if we're going to fix this, if we're going to help ease, bridge the generational gap and ease the tension, first thing that's got to happen is an attitude shift. There's got to be an attitude shift from every generation. Mm-hmm. So let me read a passage of Scripture. Psalm 145, verse 3 and 4. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Now, I read that this morning, and this is why I wanted to share that. I'll confess that normally when I read that verse, if I wasn't, if I wasn't thinking about this podcast discussion, I would just read verse 4, one generation shall praise thy, thy works to another. I just read it as the older generation declaring to the younger generation. And maybe if you dive into the Hebrew, that's what it's saying. I don't know. But this morning with this topic on my heart, I read that verse and I said, that's it. There's a key to unlocking this thing right there. One generation shall praise thy works to another. It didn't say the older to the younger, the younger to the older. It just says from one generation to the next. As a millennial uh, or Gen Xer, as a baby boomer, whatever whatever we are, we we should be... (laughs) declaring the greatness of God to one another. So that tells me something about focus. Am I more focused on myself? Am I more focused on my tradition, more focused on my preferences, or am I focused on the greatness of God? Boy, that's a big attitude shift. And if I'm, if my concern is telling you how great God is and your concern is boasting and bragging on the greatness of God to me, we're going to bridge the gap pretty fast. Yes. Yeah. So focus on the greatness of God would be the very first thing I would say about shifting the attitude between generations. Yeah, because I think what that does is that that removes the, well, I'm going to try to get, and we're, we're Americans, but I think this is a, a global principle, but you know, I'm going to try to get America back to what it was in my day. I'm going to try to instill the values of what America was when I was growing up, when really that's not the priority. The priority is I'm going to teach this next generation. I'm going to join in with them. I'm going to point them to Christ, and I'm going to let him do the work because it's not about me trying to fit back into the mold of the past, but it's more about let's keep people focused on Jesus Christ. We take way too much responsibility on our own shoulders to save everybody. Yes. We're going to save America. We're going to save the church. We're going to save our family. We're going to save everything. Because we think we've got the answers based on what has been good for us and what we've known. But here's something very important. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and get this, his truth endureth 
to all generations. It ain't about the changes between our generation. It's about the changeless God who endures and his truth endures no matter what the generation is. Mm -hmm. So we've got to have an attitude shift by focusing on that central core thing that unites us, which is how great is the Lord. You know, God doesn't belong to the boomers or the zoomers. You know, I was actually thinking that. I was actually thinking, and I was thinking, God's not a baby boomer. He's not a he's not a Gen Xer. He's not, and not stereotyping one group, but sometimes we get this mindset of we're the only ones left. There's mm. this group of us, and we're the only ones left. The holdouts, and, kind of and, a little bit of an Elijah yep, syndrome. The Alamo, yep. and you know what? These other people that are around us, they just don't get it. They don't want the truth. They don't get it. And it's almost like they're they're doomed. You know, like they're, they're, they're done. But you made a very good point there, just referencing that verse, his truth for all generations. I think you were talking, and I, I think a, a verse that gets pulled out of context a lot. Remove not the ancient landmarks. Well, what I was thinking we're was— We're not going to repave the parking lot. <laughs> what I was thinking was, <clears throat> was these, ne- these upcoming generations, boy, they got a form of godliness— they're just denying the power thereof. They just right. they just don't they just don't know the power of God like the way it used to be. Yeah. And 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 that's part of that attitude shift of yes, there is a very real reality. There is a There's a, a real reality. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> real reality. Yeah. Uh, but there there is there is some truth to the fact that uh, yeah, Christianity as a whole has become diluted not because of a generational thing because this transcends all the generations. We just naturally have placed our eyes more on the world, and, and there's there's people in every generation that genuinely have their eyes on Christ, and there's people in every generation that are so consumed in the world. So, it's again, it goes back to we've got to point people to Jesus. Yeah, and there's there's those that they're they're chasing the past. They're trying to get things back the way they were, and eternity's not going to be the 1950s. Okay, let's just let's just be on. That's not what eternity's going to be. We can't be so focused on trying to get things back to where they were in one little area of time in one little part. But we can't do that. I think sometimes we put so much focus on, well, they'll never understand. We got to get things back to the way they were. And we forget that we have an eternity ahead of us that we're supposed to be telling others about and, and giving the word to. And we get so focused on the here and now and trying to get things back to the way they were. Yeah, we got to remember who's in charge. It is not whatever generation happens to be filling the supervisor positions or the pulpits or whatever. It, it is it is God, you know. So back to Psalm 145, verse 13 says, as we just talked about, his truth endureth. Verse 13 of that psalm says, Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. No one, listen, To the baby boomers that are listening now, let me speak to you. The Gen Xers and the Millennials will not unseat God from his throne. And to the Gen Xers and Millennials, we need not sweat the upcoming Gen Zers. They will not cast God down from his throne. He will continue to reign as the changeless one with the truth that endures, and we can trust that, and we've got to trust that. So the shift of the attitude is to shift from focusing on the generational differences and focus on the greatness of God. I've used this statement before in other ways, but I think it's applicable here to understand that we can let worship lead the way. 
Mm-hmm. We can let worship lead the way. I, I, the thing that should unite us is often the thing that creates the tension, though, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. How we worship, styles of worship, yeah. worship music. Right. I've been trying to convince E.T. To, to listen to some different worship music. He don't like it. it it's, it's just... It's it's, it's not getting, traditional. It's not what he's used to. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's stepping into it's stepping into a, another realm and a whole new world, and it's it's just awkward. But all the irony of a the whole new older world. generation ain't that a Disney song? That's what I told him the first time. Oh. <laughs> the problem with that is when we think worship, we think styles of worship. Yep. Why is just worship the Lord, right? Just just focus in on Him and glorify Him. Why does that conversation even have to come up? It's because most of our modern worship is performance. It's not actually yeah. worship. It's all about coming in and there being a dog and pony show put up there that what can we enjoy? And it's not really worship. It's it's just it's Why just can't an it be a pig and goat show. I don't call it. I call it a tribute band. That's what I call it. I, I, I mean, that's. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, most of the time that's. That's what we come looking for. We come looking for a, a certain flavor, a certain style, yeah. just like people go to certain genres of music concerts because that's their genre and they're not really around this. We do the exact same thing in our worship services. We're looking for genres of worship. And, and that's not just a certain group of folks. No. That's even the ones who call out another group for that. They're guilty of yep. it as well. Oh, you know what they say. That's a baby boomer thing. When you got one finger pointing at me, you got three others pointing back at yeah. you. Yeah, how does it, how does that even work? <laughs> and if you got the thumb sideways, you can catch that guy over there. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So the attitude shift is, I think, the first thing. we yes. got to shift our attitude, and that that's probably the hardest part. Yeah. If, if you can do that, then these action steps that we're going to outline will actually be easier, but it's getting that attitude shift. So... Let me just throw out a big word. How are we going to shift the attitude? Repent. That's a big word. Yeah. Are we ready for that one yet? Well, I mean, that ought to bring the older generation in, you know, because they don't think that the younger generations believe in repentance anymore. <laughs> so I'm just trying to bridge the gap. Well, and there's the word cop-out, right? It, it, it's a cop-out mentality. I don't think the younger generations, they're, they're not going to listen to me. Therefore, I'm not going to repent for the sin that I have in my own life which is pride, and I'm not willing to, I, I'm not willing to do what I, change and do what I can to help them, and they're the ones who are at fault. And then the younger generation says, oh, yeah, well, it's the older generation. It's their fault. That throwing back and forth, you know, the whippersnappers and stick it to the old goats, you know. Well, and you got the middleman. You got Gen X who's saying boomers ruined everything, <laughs> and now they're raising millennials, and they're going to finish off finish what the boomer started and we're just getting overlooked why do i feel like you're pointing a finger at me i feel sorry. accused uh, sorry i'm i'm seeing the three <laughs> fingers pointed right back at me it's it's funny though how you're talking about that because really it's the same sin and everything you know boomers may may manifest it more as pride in well we've got the right way and this that, and the other then you got the younger generations that are manifesting arrogance well i oh don't need i don't need what they've got yeah. i don't need your opinions i don't need but ultimately it's the same sin I just want to throw in there because among our 9.4 listeners, there are going to be some quality guys that are not guilty of this. Right. You know, And so right. I want to acknowledge those guys out there that are doing it right. They were and preaching to the choir. Huh? They might be preaching to the choir with our nine listeners. 
no. There is definitely among the nine some people that need to hear this. Oh, well, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I did want to make the point because we are focusing on the people that have the wrong attitude, but I want to acknowledge that there are great men in each generation yes. right now that are functioning and, and making things work. And I, you know, I could give a great example right here. I have, uh, in my position at the undisclosed location, I have my predecessor. You know, he is 74 years old. He's, mm-hmm. you know, baby boomer, right? You know, the transition between his leadership and mine was so seamless, flawless, smooth, and his attitude towards me was an immediate submission. Yeah. Now, he's like 30 years my senior in in age plus experience in the role. Right. And yet his immediate attitude toward me was submission. And that's that's the key in all in in what we were just talking about with with the sin of of all the generations. It's humility. If I as a millennial I'm willing to be humble enough to say, okay, I need some advice from some older men. If some baby boomers and silent generations are able to be humble enough to say, hey, you know what? I'm not this out of the other. I need the younger generations. Humility is the ultimate bridge builder. One of the greatest compliments, not just a compliment, a a strength builder and just and something that gives me energy and, and really helps and encourages is when the older generation that you were just referring to is giving us that humility and passing the torch and saying, "Here's you, you, you've earned my respect. You're where you should be." When you have that, as a as a younger person, that is that is some of the the, the best thing an older generation can give you. Versus, well, here you go. It ain't like it used to be. Just go ahead and mess it up. But I respect you. You're you're a leader. You're where you're supposed to be. When uh, like my dad or someone who's older like that respects me and gives me that, that's that's a great compliment. It's validation. Validation. Well, yeah. and to take that a step beyond, this gentleman didn't even have a reason to respect me. There was no right. relationship. He did that. He gave that because he was first submitted to God, which goes yeah. back to the point we were we started out with, and First Peter five says, 1 Peter 5, 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. And it's just that it's just an attitude. It's an attitude of, a, of knowing who's in charge. Yep. God's in charge. So whether we're talking again about church ministry, or we're talking about a crew of guys on the same work, you know, the team of guys on the same work crew, or your softball team, whatever it may be, Integrating the generations is going to start with an attitude shift that says God is God. I'm not God. You're not God. God is God. Okay? His truth. Not my truth. Not your truth. His truth. Take ownership. Just realize that there may be a younger generation that is totally rebellious and you don't like the way that they're doing things, but understand that you may have had something to do with that. That's taking ownership. Take ownership for where God has put you. Trust him and let others be better because you're around. Make, make things better uh, by worshiping God, putting him first, having godly wisdom that you can give not only the younger generation but the older generation from generation to generation. That would be, that would be my action step for f- fixing this. So take ownership. Not just accountability because accountability is a big thing. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. But ownership, 
I'm not only holding you accountable, those, those stinking Gen Xers and those Gen Zers, but I'm also taking ownership and holding myself accountable. Going back to some offline discussion, one of the biggest things, and I know this will go into E.T.'s uh, example from a biblical perspective, but I looked at the situation with Job and how that his three friends that spent that first time with him, they're talking, and they get into this dialogue and this exchange. And, you know, Job is defending himself by saying, I didn't do anything wrong. Why is this happening? Why did God just pick me? Of all people on the planet, why is he doing this to me? And he's got three friends that are saying, no, Job, this is obviously God's judgment on you. You're just trying to hide your You're covering it up. Repent, you know. <laughs> so I wonder if his three friends were like the boomers, Job's the Gen Xer, and then here comes maybe even a Gen Zer named Elihu. There's this young man named Elihu, and in chapter 32, I'm going to paraphrase for sake of time, he's, he speaks up finally, and he says, I've been sitting here all this time listening <laughs> to you yahoos, and he said, I don't want to be disrespectful. Yeah. I know the younger should submit to the elder. I know you guys are older than me. I know you got more experience than me. But he said, you know what? Sometimes age doesn't make you wiser. Let me tell you what I'm seeing here. And, I mean, he launches into all of them. And here's the thing about that. When you see the end result, Job didn't argue with him. Right. And God never corrected him. Correct. Mm -hmm. And it's as if God puts that young whippersnapper right there to help bring some balance to these older guys who are refusing – you know, they're just missing something. And to me, that is the example of what we're talking about, bringing everybody to the table to get perspective. You see that the other side of the the younger being the brash ones refusing the elders in a situation with like, situation with like Rehoboam. Solomon has passed off the scene. Rehoboam has stepped to the throne. And the older generation comes. The, the older generation comes and says, hey, Rehoboam, listen, you need to... You know, go easy on the people, pour out love on them, give them a break, and they'll cleave to you. And the younger says, nah, we're going to come, we're going to be harsher and harder. And Rehoboam doesn't bring everybody together. There's no cross-generational discussion. There's no, okay, let me get everything. Rehoboam falls in the trap of, yeah, I don't need those old guys anymore. It's the new guard, the new wave, let's go. And, you know, then... Chaos ensues, and the kingdom is split and divided, and everything happens because, again, pride seeps in. Younger people don't need the older people. There's no, there's no anything like that, and there needs to be that that coming together. I just feel bad <laughs> I didn't give a spiritual example. I had to go first. That, that's all right. You set the stage by saying, basically, none of this is going to work unless you're willing as an individual to take ownership of your part in it. Right. So it's actually That's perfect. spiritual. That's like that's Bible validation. 101. See, I just feel so much better now because the Gen Xer, my cool older brother, gave me, you know. Gen and I did it with absolutely no sarcasm that time. That was a first. Well, you need to, isol you need to isolate that segment because those yeah. things don't come around very record often. That. Like do a separate recording. So yeah. let's that call Jimmy. that action step generational integration, right? Okay. So purposefully mixing the the generations. In, in church, you can do that in your, your classes or your small groups or your life groups or whatever you call them where you are, but mixing them. It, I, I mean, you have a class you do in the church, and one thing that's neat about that is that your co-teacher is a baby boomer. Oh, yeah. 
Isn't he? He's like a young oh, baby a boomer. boomer. No, he's a boomer. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> he's a boomer. He may be young on the That's boomer. That's a boomer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's, I think, I think he's definitely he's, there. He's near my mom's age. They're like at the cutoff point yeah. right before he's, Gen He's like right a, there, tail end boomer. 50s, early 60s. Yeah. You guys yeah. got really excited about that point, but what I'm saying is. <laughs> hey, it's Pyro Bob. There's generational. <laughs> we love Pyro Bob. Well, he is a code guy, he's but there is a generational integration going on there. And you've you you know, you've actually got in that class. I, I know, relatively speaking, they're mostly all millennials, but even there, you've got some different ages. Yeah, yeah you and do have some Gen Zers. We're starting Zers to pick up some Gen Zers in got, that class too. You got a so. class full of millennials. Yeah. What, what you need, what you need in that class is a Gen Xer. You're missing some Gen X, man. No, we've got some Gen X. Oh well, what you need is a is a silent generation builder in well, there. Well, I need a boomer in mine because I left the the millennial classroom and I went into one that's Gen Z, and then it's got some Gen X in there leadership yeah and now i'm the only millennial but what happens in those situations is on you know when you have some honest respectful dialogue going on exchange of ideas you're going to benefit like the job example the rehoboam example and i would just add to that to all of us listen first don't lecture and don't ignore listen first so generational integration is a big one let's say this generational selflessness would be an action step that I would throw out there. And by that I mean, can we... Two things I think I would suggest. Mentorship and initiation. Bringing both of those things back into a men's ministry. Mentorship. Paul to Timothy. You know, let me pass on to you what I know. Let me help you because I see potential in you. This was Paul to Timothy. He saw a young man that he knew, he knew with the right coaching uh, he had a heart for God. He had a heart for the ministry. And with the right coaching, he could become something dynamic and great. And so that's mentorship. And we need more of that in the church. Yeah, I was thinking of Elijah, Elisha, how he made himself available to him. He gave him the assistance that he needed. He trained him. And when he was ready, that's when he, that's when he left. Dennis Rainey, this is a great book, fellas, Stepping Up. Dennis Rainey, Stepping Up, A Call to Courageous Manhood. He says, every man needs a mentor. Every man needs to be a mentor. We need another man to speak into our lives, cheering us on, imparting the courage to persevere, summoning us to keep stepping up. In turn, we need to mentor others. This is our, like this phrase, this is our generational responsibility. That's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So mentorship, and then I know we're running out of time. Just, again, emphasizing the, the idea of initiation. We don't have time to talk about that. Maybe we'll do an entire podcast sometime on initiation, how younger men need to be initiated into their manhood, into their roles, into becoming you know, that next level. Uh, but that should happen in, in church ministry. That should happen on the job. I mean, think about your own situation. You guys have worked different jobs. You've had guys who initiated you into the job, right. right? But think back on your life. Outside of your own father, who has been an influence in your life in either of those dynamics, a mentor or to initiate you? And I know we don't have time to, to discuss that today, but just to leave that question lingering, other than your father, who's been the impactful, influential men in your younger years as you were growing up? Because a lot of guys don't have a good answer to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know we're out of time. I would just encourage uh, missional integration. You know, find something for men to do together. Give them a common task, common mission, whether it is leading church services, whether it's ministry out in the field, whether it's building something, whether it's going on a code backpacking trip. 
do it together, integrate the, the generations, and share that mission together. Well, uh, I, I feel like this thing could have gone on for a long, whole lot oh, more time. A yeah. lot to talk about in this, but maybe we've maybe we've sown some seeds. Definitely a good place to pull the plug because I think that initiation topic needs a whole podcast to itself. So, so that's a good, uh, it's a good initial segue. Put that, that we in presented. the queue. Yep, got a few things in the hopper that we're gonna go. We're gonna ain't that what they call that? Where you kind of like Hopper? play bingo. And oh, they roll yeah. the thing, and you pull the ball out. We got a hopper full of hopper, hopper thought, full of topics. I always thought the hopper is what you carried your paintballs in. Well, to baby the boomers, hopper. the hoppers were a gospel singing group. Yes. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Yeah, they were. <laughs> so, with that being said, thank you, gentlemen, for coming in this morning, for sharing your generational wisdom, for integrating this discussion into uh, bridging the gap. And until next time, this is your... Uh, uh, warm and fuzzy Gen Xer Mike Overtrek Barnett saying happy trails to you. And this is Dr. Dean Roland Napoleon telling all you millennials in your grandma's basement to get a job, and you are welcome. And this is Corey Easy Target Cantrell saying thanks so much for joining us. Have a great week. See in you the heart next time. Of a champion, there is a fire. And the flames are controlled. In the heart of a champion